praise God. Wait till Lincoln starts dressing for the occasion. He is a, what do you call them, metropolitan male. He doesn't know if he's woman or male yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's turn our Bible today to Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 17 through 19. I am giving you some insights about the law of increase and sowing and reaping in order to obtain a sufficiency that comes only from God. That simply reveals to us that God's plans and purposes are far greater than man's ability to accomplish them or to provide for them. And in Matthew, the 16th chapter and verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this revelation of that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. Nobody should even have the faintest, slightest indication that Jesus would build a church on a mere mortal man. And then it says this, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We started talking about the keys of the kingdom. There are multiple keys. Jesus didn't say, I give you the key. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, a key is something that is given to somebody, which we see here, it's given to the church. Now, these keys simply indicate to us that the gates of hell will not be able to exclude us or keep us out of experiencing the kingdom of God. Keys, when given to someone, grants them the authority and the right to enter into a key, into a door, or to lock a door in order for it not to be entered into. In other words, the church has the authority and the power to lock things down or to open things up. One passage of Scripture says, well, you can loose whatever's been loosed in heaven, or you can bind whatever's already been bound in heaven, which I do not go with that interpretation because I don't believe it's true. There are things that have that need to be unlocked in heaven, which is God's will. And so when it talks about giving us a key, somebody say, we have keys. Those keys have given you an authority to access the kingdom of God and to bind the kingdom of darkness. And these keys, when used, simply will bring forth those things that God has planned for us and stop those things that the devil has set in motion towards us. Now, these are the keys of the kingdom. Now, the keys of the kingdom simply means 
that they are going to unlock areas that the world cannot enter into. Remember, things are in heaven or laid up store and that no man can access and thieves cannot break through and steal. In other words, there is limited access to the kingdom. The limited access falls upon the child of God or the believer. And so sinners cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Thieves can't go in and take. And so we have to understand that the keys that God has given us gives us access to the kingdom. The Bible says, little children, fear not. It's God's good will to give you the kingdom of God. So God doesn't resist any key that he has given us. So any resistance of something happening that we have unlocked comes from the devil, not from God. Could have given amen. God doesn't give you a key and then put his foot against the door. God is not a God of foolishness. He is a God of faithfulness. And then in Romans, the 8th chapter, in verse 32, it says that God gave his only begotten son, and if he gave his son, will he not through him freely give us all things? Now, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Second Peter, the first chapter, and verse 3 and 4. So God wants us to have those things, but it takes keys. Somebody say keys to open these things up. Just because God wills something doesn't mean that it comes to pass. It's not God's will that any perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Yet hell is enlarging its borders every day. So God's will doesn't happen. It doesn't even happen in, in the lives of believers. Now, God has a will, but it takes you and I complying to the authority and the power that we have to access God into our lives. Now, let's go to Luke, the 13th chapter, and verse 10. This is a woman that is a daughter of Abraham, and Jesus comes into the synagogue, and he finds this woman bound. And in verse, Luke, the 13th chapter, and verse 10, and behold, there was, verse 11, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. How many of you know that her being freed was God's will? Well, she'd been bound. That word bound is the same word <clears throat> that is used in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 19. So we have the ability to bind and to loose. This woman, we find her bound. We, found, we find her bent over, and in her own humanistic strength, she could not get set free. Yet Jesus comes in and sets her free. And it says, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, listen to what he says. There are six days within which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and maybe you'll get healed. Come and what? Is there any question? 
there is an absolute, unchangeable, unquestionable presence of healing in this synagogue and in every synagogue of Israel, which means that every person that was bound by the devil, every sickness, Jesus came anointed with the power and with the Holy Ghost. He went about healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. The word oppressed simply means afflicted. It means bound. It means shackled. It means to take away the right of anyone to be able to do anything other than what the sickness desires for them to do. Listen, sickness is an imprisonment and a bondage of the human body and of the mind of man. It is not the friend of man. It is not authored by God. Somebody say, well, God, God nothing. God provided freedom and healing for you, and we have a better covenant than what this woman is living under. And on any given day, six days a week, for 18 years, she refused to use her right of access and let the devil rule her life. Now, the problem is, is that the church today allows the devil to keep us bound and we try to be what God wants us to be to be a blessed to have enough people say oh I, I'm blessed I've got a business and I listen I don't care if you got 50 million dollars in the bank you are not near as blessed as God wants to bless you you've done what you've done because you've been blessed but you've not done what you've done or you would be exceedingly blessed and you would be having sufficiency to distribute to every good work and since you aren't, you haven't been doing it God's way. That's a strong statement. I'm not against businessmen. I'm not against great businesses. Thank God for them. But listen to me. Just because you're providing for you, your family, and your future, that doesn't mean that your kingdom actively being involved in, in, and empowered by God to abound unto every good work. That is your goal in life. Not enough for you and your family to live comfortably. Thank you. Yeah, praise God. All right. Now, we have to realize this woman is bound. And then Jesus said this. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, because the discussion is not whether God would heal or whether God could heal. The argument is the Sabbath. Not about her right to be healed or the devil's right to rule her. And then Jesus said this, Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ass and his uh, ox and his ass from the stone leadeth them unto watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And yes, she should have been loose because the Sabbath is not made for God, it's made for man. Well, I thought we weren't supposed to do anything. Uh, you know, I thought God was controlling us. Well, God's not controlling you. The Sabbath wasn't made for God. It was made for man. Now, this woman is bound. Why couldn't she have been freed? She could have been. She would not use a key called faith. Now, we're not talking about that key today. But because of her misuse or a lack of using her authority and power 
in other words, her right to access to Jehovah Rapha, she stayed bound 18 years. Too many of us are bound financially and in our lives, fulfilling the dreams of God and the purposes of God because we're trying to do it on our own. The keys of the kingdom will unlock the kingdom. Could it get an amen? All right. Now, these are, there are many keys, but the key that we're talking about today is the key of sowing and reaping, the keys of giving and receiving, the keys of increase, the keys of uh, sowing and reaping seed, financial seed. The Philippians says this, that as we gave, that that giving abounds to a fruit to our account. So we're talking about giving and receiving, not just giving, receiving. Somebody say receiving. Listen, we have to get to the point that we can be perpetual givers in the kingdom. Now, some of you say, oh, man, do we have to talk about money? Absolutely, we have to talk about money. Now, we can continue to let the world just take everything that God has invented, every witty invention, and just keep polluting it and defiling it until we are living in a sheltered world. But listen, the world needs to hear the voice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to happen by us preaching on a street corner. It's going to happen when we begin to take ownership of satellites, of radio stations, of television stations, and preach the gospel. I'm not talking about some goofy television station where you got 15 doctrines coming across some round table. I'm talking about Holy Ghost of programs that teach the truth set people free and change a nation because of the excellence of the spirit that is in them and that we don't have to constantly be begging to stay on the air we own the air amen some of you might not realize that uh, about uh, 10 years ago I, I went to get a cell phone and I tried to get a cell phone that would work in Buckton's Ohio. And the cellular company told me this. Listen, no cell company has bought the airway over Buckton's Ohio from Lima to Sydney. I said, why? They said, because it's too trashy. You cannot get reception. You cannot get through. You can't get signals in and you can't get signals out. Now, that's what they told me. Well, a little later after that, I was in a place called Perrysburg, Georgia. And the Lord told me, son, I want you to take back the airways over Bockton's Ohio. I said, what? He said, I want you to take the airways back from the power of the devil that is keeping the voice of the gospel from going to the world. I began to intercede that day. I began to pray. All of a sudden, I was called up into this vision. And I uh, contended with this spirit. And there was a ring that fell off of this devil's, this spirit's hand. And it came on my finger. Now, I never told anybody about that ring. And I didn't tell them about the vision till later. And Ed can verify this. But there were some men that got together. And they, uh, a man that was a jeweler, designed this ring. He put a red, what is that, Ed? What, what is that? Red ruby. Put a red ruby in it. And rubies and different uh, 
gems are cut different in other countries. So they had it cut where the best cut came from, and they made that ring, and they put it on my finger at Christmas time. That ring is still in my drawer. I wear it periodically, but that ring set in motion a declaration that I had authority and power over this realm. Right after that, we begin to reach two and a half billion people every week. We now are being picked up by a television station in the Philippines that caught one of our teachings on divorce uh, at the prayer table, and now they're going to be broadcasting that every day on their television station. They pick it up live here and put it there. That never happened before. But the airways have been cleaned. Now you notice right across the street there is a telephone tower at the power station. Why? Because for some unknown reason, the airways have become clean. Listen, we have got to take the opportunity to seize the time in the moment that we are in. And we're not going to do it by rubbing pennies together and scraping the hair off of buffalo back hinds. Amen. Now, the key of sowing and reaping is the key of multiplication. We find that in 2 Corinthians 6, down through 15. The Bible says God gives seed to a man or a woman, and he multiplies the seed that is sown. Seed that is sown. In other words, any time that you have excess in your hand, you need to consider it as a seed. Because that seed, by divine decree of God's faithfulness, will be multiplied. Could it get an amen? You cannot stop the multiplication process of a seed sown. But when you don't sow seeds, you will exclude yourself from the people of harvest and you will tie God's destiny for your sufficiency in all things. Now, the keys of the kingdom are also known as the laws of life. Now, I know I mentioned this last week, but it's just I need to go back over it because I need to affirm it to myself. So I'm preaching for myself. Let's go over to Romans, the 8th chapter, and verse 1 down through Six, down through six. So these keys are given to us, and the key that we're talking about is the key of increase, the key to releasing God's hand. Realize God will multiply the seed that is sown. What is the key? Sowing. Not the seed, sowing. People say, oh, I can't afford to sow. You have a seed somewhere. You know, the average family has $500 in territories that have been forgotten. Well, what does that mean? Start looking in your car seats. Tear your couch apart. Start looking in your old coats. Start looking in your old pants. The average family has $500 in hidden assets. Dig it up and sew it. Oh, I, I don't know that I have that. Oh, you, you got it. 
you've got it. And if you don't have it, get all that dried food up out of your couch, feed it to your dog, and save the $20 that week for dog food. I told Phyllis one time, I said, if I ever get caught in a snowstorm, I want to be in Nikki and Randy's car. I'm telling you, they got a month's food of food supply in those seats, under those seats, and on the floor. They've got food groups that have never been discovered. I'm telling you, it's an it's amazing thing. Romans the eighth, I'm sorry, Romans the eighth chapter and verse one. And it says this. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. As soon as we say the word condemnation, we start thinking, well, there's no remembrance of your sin. Like who in the world would remember their sin when they've been cast as far as the east is to the west? The whole principle that he's going to talk about is the spiritual mind, spiritual laws, and carnal minds and carnal law. That is the discussion in this first part of the chapter. What? No condemnation in Christ Jesus. They'll walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What's he talking about? He's talking about a lifestyle. You're talking about a lifestyle. What's the word condemnation mean? There is no sentence of bondage to the man that walks in the things of the spirit. The devil cannot keep you bound by the law of the curse or by the law of limitation or by the law of need. He cannot do it. Now, he can if you walk as a fleshly man. That would simply mean this, that if you're in Christ, you can walk after the flesh, but if you're in Christ, you can walk after the spirit. So, you could be in Christ and still live the way that a carnal man lives. Hello, just look at the scripture. I'm not trying to give you any something new. I'm trying to explain to you what the scripture means in its content. And the content is not about you being condemned. It's about you being imprisoned if you walk by the way of the flesh when you have been translated into Christ Jesus. Just look at it. What does it say? Come on, let's, let's just read it. There is therefore now no condemnation, no sentence of restriction, no shackling of imprisonment to them that are who? In Jesus. Who do not walk after the flesh or the, after the ways of the carnal unrenewed mind but after the spirit now how does that have to do with you being condemned about your sins it has nothing to do listen if you're being condemned of your past sins you just need to get your faith rose up in the blood of Jesus Christ Condemnation is not a discussion, nor is it a problem in the believer's life unless you're walking after the flesh. How could a man that walks in the Spirit ever doubt that his sins has been washed away? How could he ever doubt 
that he should pay attention. How could he ever doubt that he should give second thought to them? How could he ever doubt that it ever came back, that it would come back from the devil? Well, of course, no believer would do that unless you're just constantly opening yourself up to think the devil's thoughts. Why don't you go to God and ask him, God, I want to talk to you about that sin I, I committed last week that I've repented of. God will say, do what? What are you up here for? What are you talking about? What, what, are you, what is this subject you're bringing up? Your sins have been cast to the east and the west. We have no sin chasers up here. God doesn't remember what you did 30 seconds ago if you repented of it with a sincere heart. Could it get an amen? All right. Now, then it says this. It starts and it just begins to unveil to us. And it says this. For the law of the spirit of life that is activated and operative given to those that are in Christ Jesus is not the law of death. The prerequisite is you must be alive to operate in the law of life. And then it said, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Somebody say, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now let me explain something to you about God. So many of you think that you have to try to get God to do something. No. Once God gives you a promise of something, he no longer is involved whether you get it or you don't get it. Oh, my God, that's not true. Oh, yes, it is. Because every word has enough power to fulfill itself. Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. When God says, John, by his stripes, you're healed. God can do no more for you. He did it. He did it. Now, as far as he's concerned, you have the right, the authority, and the power to execute the law of inheritance, of confession, the law of faith, Romans 3.27, to activate that promise and be healed. Well, God doesn't care if I'm healed. Oh, yes, he does. He's already made provision for your healing. Now, what you do with it is totally up to you. But once God makes a declaration about his stand, he considers they'll never have a problem. Come on. Once God gives you a promise, all right, let's just say this. God meets all of your needs according to his riches and glory. What was that statement based upon? Giving and receiving. Thank you. Now, God gives you seed. He'll multiply the seed sown. He never expects any believer to be limited, to have need, or to have lack. He gave you the key of increase. And I don't care who you are or where you are, there's something you can give. I went into the bathroom at uh, McDonald's one time, and they came out, 
and I was standing by the trash can and Quentin was standing there with me and he looked up at me and he said, you're going to give something away, aren't you? I said, yeah. He looked me up and down and he said, must be those shoes. I said, you're right. A guy came out of the bathroom, slipped my shoes off, and I said, here, I'd like to give you these shoes. He reached down and he said, hey, man, thanks, and walked right off. Quentin said, well, he didn't even turn to get your name or anything. I said, said he didn't need my name. He said, thank you. And Quentin said, I knew you was going to give something away. I said, aren't you glad they weren't underwear? I pulled my pants right down and took them off. Now, now God, now listen. God has given you the key that will eradicate all lack, all need, so God could confidently say in the face of of any man, any accuser, I met all their needs. Oh, no, those people got lack. No, I met every need. Oh, but, but, but they're, they're, they're struggling. No, I, I met every need. Oh, but they don't have enough to get, they're, they're just getting by. No, I, I met every need. Why? He gave you the law of sowing and reaping. That is the key to the access of increase. So what do you want him to do? Faith does what causes every promise to come to pass through faith and patience. And if he gave you faith, which you have, 1 John 5, 4 and 5, 2 Peter 1, 1, we have obtained like precious faith. You have faith and you have the promise. Now whether you unlock that promise with the key or the law of action is totally up to you. It's totally up to you. Oh, but I thought God would just know. God gave you his word. What else is he supposed to do? That's like a sinner wanting Jesus to go back to the cross. No, salvation has already been given. Now before you is heaven and hell, good and evil, life or death, Curse or blessing, you get to use the keys. Which do you want? Now, you can sit over here as a sinner and go straight to hell. It won't change God's stance, and it won't change his activity towards you or towards anyone else. You want to be saved? Call upon the name of the Lord. You want to go to hell? Don't call. Come on, some of you say, oh, my God, that's so hard. No, no. You want to be limited? You want to have lack? You want to live in poverty? You want to live, live in a two-by-two -two trailer? You want to live in, a, in a, a car your wife has to hold up the back end because you only got three wheels? Have at it. But you don't have to. Amen. Amen. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Take the seed you have. Take the seed you have and sow it. I don't have anything. Oh, you got 500 bucks laying around somewhere. Absolutely you do. And you find it and you give it. Well, it's only a dollar. Well, it's only a quarter. Look, God's not asking you to sow what you don't have. He's asking you to have a willing heart to invest your seed by faith in him. That's what he's asking you to do. 
Now, you can be rich, you can be poor. Oh, I, you're, you're just talking about riches. No, I'm talking about you having sufficiency for everything in life so that you can abound unto every good work. I'm not talking about Mercedes. I'm not talking about big house. I'm not talking about big suit. I'm not talking about anything. I'm telling you what God wants you to be. And if you're going to limit who you can be and what you can do by your own ability and your own earthly inventions, then you are going to exclude God from your life. Amen? I went into the house of Oral Roberts one time and, and Oral said, Peter, this is so-and-so and he just got saved. I said, hey, glad to meet you. He said, Peter, I'm just teaching him some things. I said, oh, what's that? He said, he just sold his pizza business for $25 million and he thinks he's rich. I thought, I think he's rich. And he said, he thinks he's rich. What he doesn't know is that God wants to use what he's got to take him where he wants him to be. $25 million won't do very much in winning the world for Jesus Christ. And that's the God's truth. And that's the other side of the story. So I met this guy, and Oral says, he just thinks he's rich. Oral was saying, I'm going to renew his mind about seed sowing. I'm going to unlock his mind to true abundance. I'm going to unlock his mind so God can use him in the kingdom. Now, that's a guy that has $25 million. So I venture to say, by your tithe checks, that's none of you. <laughs> or you're holding out. But I want it to be you. Now, God gives you the keys to the kingdom. If you don't go in, whose fault is it? God gives you, by his stripes you're healed. If you're still sick, whose fault is it? Now, a lot of you would say, oh, but, but, well... If you're sick right now, you start mixing your faith with that promise. And you start putting your attention on every healing scripture. And you start mixing the law or the key of faith, Romans 3.27, with it. And you'll get healed. God's not a respected person. He'll save every sinner and certainly he'll heal every child. The Methodists are waking up. I've heard six amens. Hallelujah. No. Do, do you understand God's perspective that when he gives you a promise, what that promise curtails to, he considers it a done issue. He doesn't have to speak to you anymore. Why? Because no prophecy is of any personal interpretation. And Peter said, we have something greater than the audible voice coming from heaven, and that is the unchangeable word of God. And God would not say anything to you that he hasn't already said in Scripture, and he would require nothing from you, anything less than the Scripture requires. If I gave you a credit card today, you got a credit card, Phil? 
okay. Uh, Chuck, go out in my car and get my American Express. It's, it's right there in a little black billfold that I always leave in the car. So if you ever want to break in and steal something, go to my car. Well, do, do you lock it? Very seldom. Everybody says, oh, well, that stupid people steal something. Well, they might, but they might not. Now, when we start tapping into these laws of the spirit of life, they free us. Somebody say free us from the law of sin and death. What would happen if you do not activate the laws of the spirit of life? You will live under and be bound by the law of sin and death. James 5.14 Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself is going to come up out of heaven and raise you up. If you don't pray the prayer of faith, if you do not be anointed with oil, then understand you are going to be sick. Well, I'm going to go to the doctor. Thank God for the wisdom of the Lord to those that help us. But it doesn't mean that the law of sin and death is not in motion. That's why you're sick. But the law of the spirit of life, the law of faith, tapping into God's provision, will bring healing to your life. Now, if you use it or not, it's totally up to you. You can be in the congregation for 50 years and still be sick if you want to. God will love you. You can go to heaven maybe earlier than you should. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It means that you chose to be bound and not free. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you. I'm not being hard. And watch this. And it says this. For what the law could not do or works in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin and condemned, sentenced it, bound it in the flesh. In other words... Jesus bound sin that it cannot function against the fleshly man that walks after the spirit. And then it says this, and the righteousness of the law. The righteousness of the law means the blessing and the goodness that was in the law. And there was much of it in there. David wrote 150 Psalms of the goodness of our God out of the law. And then it says this, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the what? Walk after the what? But after the spirit. Now, you see this card? Um, let me have a... Gosh, who do I want to bless today? Uh, here, Bill. Come up here. Bill, I've used this card all over the world. I've never ran to its limitations. Not 100,000, not 150,000, not 250,000 off of a crusade. Never have they declined me using this card. It has put me in hotels as I've walked by homeless people. It put food in front of me while somebody outside was begging for bread. It put clothes on my back. It hired security for me that I would be protected, that no enemy could get through to me. It's caused me to ride in limousines and all types of Mercedes and Cadillacs and it's just been great here. 
just I can pay for the next week. No, 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 no. You can just take it. Go ahead, Bill. But I don't want to come back next week and see you in some old ragged, ragtag pair of jeans with holes in it, some tore up T-shirt. I don't expect to see you living in a 10 by 10 trailer. I don't expect you to be living, driving some three-wheeled Pinto. Do you understand me? I gave that to you because that is the law of the land. And there is no limitation on it. Spend whatever you want to spend. Just spend it. But if I come back next week and I hear people saying, how's come Pastor Dosak has so much, but his friend has nothing? How's come Pastor Dosak is living in the hotel and his friends are out here with the hungry, the broken, and the homeless? I don't want to hear that. Because that will be a lie and a false accusation against what I gave you. No need in your life should ever go unmet. Because you have the law of the land that will override the law of poverty, the law of need, the law of limitation, the law of hunger. Right there. Right there. Not by your own hands. Just use the law that I told you. Put it on the card. Now, if you end up being something other than what I am and what I have experienced, that'll be your own choice. But you have no right to lie against me and to give a false image of who I am as your friend. Now, you give me that. I know you'll believe it. Give me that one. <laughs> you gave it to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, when Jesus gives you a law or a key to unlock and to overcome the laws of sin and death that are in motion right now, many Christians are still living under the curse. Many Christians are still oppressed. Now, I'm not... De- I'm not demeaning you I'm just telling I want to build your faith I'm encouraging you use your faith there is an answer to where you are and it is in the liberty and the freedom of the laws of the kingdom of life amen we're not ordinary people we're God's people we're people of the kingdom we're ambassadors of heaven Hallelujah. And we don't have to succumb to everything the world's going through. We ought to rise up and live the abundant life that Jesus told us he came to give us. Now, and then it says this, And they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are in or are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace let me give you another law of sin and death the law of meditation the bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he do you know that you become what you think about could again amen so if i was you i would start thinking on the imagery of god the identity of who i am in christ jesus why because you will migrate to what you meditate on. Remember what Jesus said. If you take thought of these things, 
you'll be little in faith. But if you just know that God will take care of you more than he will, the lily of the field, the grass of the earth, and the sparrows of the air, if you think that you're better than that, then you'll have great faith. You know, there is a law of meditation. You become what you meditate on. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. Phyllis is using that on me this morning. She said, honey, you're a good-looking man. I said, quit lying. I said, I've seen my faith is, is wobbling. My faith, I mean, man, the other day I got in a windstorm. I came out. I had a headache and a bruise upside of my head. And my skin, it was so loose. It was slapping me on the other side of my face. I, I, and I told her, I said, Phyllis, you don't have to lie to me. I know that I'm getting uglier. She said, well, to me, you're getting more looking, better looking. And what she wants me to do is begin to think so that as I think I'm good looking, I'll become good looking. What are you guys laughing at? The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I could be coming in here next week like this. Buddy, I'll be so tight you flip a penny on it and bounce. You think it'll work that fast? No, but a facelift will. No, as you think, see, that, that is active in the body of Christ today. We are who God said we are. Start thinking on it. Amen? All right, so the wise man. I'm going to wrap up with this. Let's go to Luke, the sixth chapter. Hallelujah. The wise man. And look at verse 46. Now, this is the people that do the word and people that don't do the word. Now, the word is not a respect of persons. So God doesn't care what you look like, if you're ugly, if you're good looking, if you're black, white. It doesn't matter. And it says, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In other words, Jesus is saying this. Look, you are in the spiritual kingdom, and you declare that you believe in me. But then you act like you don't even exist and I am not the Lord of your life. In other words, these are people that walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. Next verse. Now watch this. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. Somebody say doeth them. I will show you to whom he is like. Next verse. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep, laid the foundations on a rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Next verse. But he that heareth and doeth not. Notice, they're both in hearing range. One decides to use the keys of the kingdom against the storms of this world, and he comes out victorious. In fact, he's called a wise man. But then there is another class of people that call Jesus Lord. They hear the same thing, exact same thing. They're in this congregation today. They're going to hear the exact same thing. But they're going to go out there and they're going to say, Pastor has lost his mind. You bet you. 
I am beside myself for Christ's sake. And then it says, and they don't do them. He is like a man that is without a foundation built and house upon the what? Earth. Earth. Again, which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of it was not too bad. Oh, it ruined it. Why? Because ultimately, that which happens to the man in the natural happens to him spiritually because he's not a doer. He's only a hearer. Next verse. And when he had ended these sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. What is Jesus telling us? In the kingdom, there are people of the flesh. They hear, they hear, they hear, and they never do. And then in the kingdom, there are people that legitimately make Jesus Lord of their life, and what he says, they do. There are people of the flesh, and there are people of the spirit. One is a wise man. The other is a fool. One man survives. He increases. The other man loses what he has. And all of the things that he should have had spiritually decay right along with it. So you and I, somebody say, you and I, we need to realize the Bible says in Deuteronomy 4, 4, down through 6, I believe it is, that God gives us statutes and laws and principles that if you do them, you will be wise. And if you don't, you'll be foolish. The choice is not up to God. In fact, it's not really up to God what you and I do with our inheritance. It's up to you. You can use it, or you can just not use it. You can be what God wants you to be, or you can be what you were when you came into the body of Christ with a name tag only. Now, we're talking about the keys of the kingdom and the laws of the spirit of life. Now, you can live life, and you can access the kingdom if you'll use them. But you can walk out of here and be like the man in Ecclesiastes 11. Oh, it's going to rain. It's going to storm. Oh, man, it's going to get cold. It's going to do this. And you observe everything that's happening in the world. And you observe your present condition. And you will not trust God. But the Bible says stop looking at the wind. Stop looking at what your fields look like. Stop looking at what you think can happen and can't happen. Stop looking at your circumstance and your situation. Stop looking at where you were born. Stop looking at what's happening to you. I have called you to life in it more abundantly. Now take the laws of the kingdom of life, overcome the laws of sin and death, and live the abundant life. There is no restriction. Live. Live the life of abundance. I make no apology for saying that you can live 
to the place that you can have all sufficiency. And for all of you religious limiters, you need to believe God. Because all things are possible to our God. They're not limited by your religious, little, simple, thimble-minded self. I believe. Dr. Overblue, I believe. You done wiping your nose? Okay. I don't want to put you on camera. You No. I believe that God could make you an all-sufficient one. I believe that. Carol, I believe God could make you, and, all, and I know you, oh, well, well, I'm retired and I'm on limited income. But God's not. Seed's not limited. Seed's not limited. You might not know that years ago that Ford, of the Ford, Ford Motor Company, set out to prove sowing and reaping worked. Took one inch, square inch. And he took that square inch and he put a seed in it. He let it grow. Then he reaped that grain and he gave 10% of it to a poor man. And then he bought enough seed to put another seed in the inch. Pretty soon he ended up with fields enough to supply grain for bread lines in the Great Depression along with, what is that guy's name? Uh, Roosevelt is, is uh, Rockefeller. Rockefeller thank you along with Rockefeller which was the beginner of bread lines those two started feeding a nation by one seed and one square inch they didn't believe that it was impossible they believed in a sowing process I believe in a seed. And I believe that God will transform our life. I mean it. I really do. And I think all of us should be wise men. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Are you going to be on this next week too, Pastor? Uh, come, I'm going to surprise you. Praise God. I, I'm, listen. I'm, I'm not in a hurry to get you someplace that you're not being. I'm going to get you someplace. If you just do what the Bible says, it'll transform you. The poorest of the poor that is in this congregation can become the biggest giver by seed and harvest. By seed and harvest. I started out with people. Phyllis, you'll remember this. We started out with tithes and offerings of toilet paper. You remember they would bring rolls of toilet paper and throw into the offering. I thought, what is wrong with these people? God said, just keep preaching, giving, sowing, and reaping. And I started preaching, sowing, giving, and reaping. People started getting jobs. People started getting promoted. People started getting all types of stuff. And God began to change the foundation of our church. Because they were being blessed by God, not just by their own might. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands up towards heaven.
Hallelujah, Father. I thank you for the power of our redemption. I thank you, God, for the blood of Christ that has brought us into the kingdom of God. A kingdom of power. A kingdom of life. A kingdom of blessing. God, I thank you that no matter where we are in life, that it'll forgive the darkest sin, but it'll bless God, the most broke believer. It'll bless the most sick, stricken believer. God, it'll give a sound mind to the most confused believer. The blood has no limitations where it cannot flow. There's no place that God can't redeem you. There's no place that God is too far away that he cannot respond to your faith. He's waiting. Today is a day of transformation. A little is much in the hands of a righteous man. Seed, the connecting point with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song again. You, Ashley, it reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the deepest valley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
your unclean life, your life of despair, your life separated from God. And he says, if you will just believe in me, you can have life and life eternal. If you'll simply believe in your heart and confess me before men, thou shalt be saved. Sinner, hear what Jesus says. Backslider, hear what he's declaring to you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the great life exchanger. He'll take your life of brokenness and of sin and he'll bathe it in his blood. Your sins will be forgiven and you'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're here today and you're a backslider, you're here today and you're a sinner. You're here today and you're a prodigal son. This is the most important moment of your life. I'm going to ask you in just a moment at the count of three that if you're a sinner, if you're a backslider, a prodigal, or someone bound by sin, dead, separated from God, to accept the opportunity for eternal life. I want to warn you that it's already been paid for, but it's going to require you giving everything you have. Salvation is not haphazard, it's not half-hearted, but it is a full exchange of your sinful life for His righteousness. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to receive Christ. If you're here today and you're a sinner, a backslider, this is your moment. That's one. If you're here today, you're a sinner or you're a backslider, there is no way to escape the end of a life without Christ except by receiving His atoning blood on your life. Two. When I say three, I want you to be in the aisle that is nearest you. There is no life without Jesus Christ being involved. There is no peace. There is no freedom. And there is no eternal life when we take our last breath. Every backslider, every sinner in this house, if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you right now to raise your hand up in the air, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are. Come on, let me see it. Raise it up high. I want to see it. Hallelujah. You're here today. You're a backslider. There's a sinner. All right. Now, I want you right now to come up out of your aisle and come up here and let me pray with you. Come on, if you raise your hand, step out right now. Come on. Hallelujah. They're coming wherever you are right now. Come on. Here they come. Come on. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Anyone else? Today, you will never lose Pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe he is your only begotten son. I believe, God, that he was buried in a tomb for three days. And I believe on the third day that you raised him from the dead for my justification. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as Lord of my life from this day forward. I denounce all hidden works of darkness. And I receive peace that passes all understanding. I thank you, Father, for the new birth, for being saved. I'm now a Christian, a child of God. Amen and amen. Now, God, I lose blessing upon them. Father, when they enter back in this room, God, when they pray for them, God, let them be filled with the Holy Ghost, God. Let supernatural languages begin to flow up out of their belly, God, in the name of Jesus. And let the blessing of God come upon them and overtake them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Will you follow John? John, you give him a little book. How be, come on. Hallelujah. Day to day, it will Hallelujah. Saints, hallelujah. We are getting ready to break through into a territory that has been prepared for God's people. You know, two times in my life before this moment, God has dried me up to the point that I have despaired of life. And by His grace, His mercy, His love, He has again brought me to this place of desperation. But He's brought me here because He loves me, not because He hates me. I've been here two other times, and I'm willing to bear it to get to the end of the glory that's yet to be revealed. But I believe that God is about to visit our lives, whether it's next week. I can't tell you when he's going to break through. I can't tell you when he's going to roll the stone away and I'm going to see light. I don't know, but I do know that he's headed towards my dark place. And I do know that he's going to roll the stone away. And I do know that I'm going to see Jesus in a way I've never seen him. And I'm going to rise up, and I'm not going to be a dead man, but I'm going to be a live man with a new purpose, a new destiny, a new course of action, a new anointing, God. And I believe that it's all for our congregation, and I believe it's for you.
those of you that are thirsty, don't stop digging that new well. Those of you that are hungry, don't get away from the heat, but let the bread finish baking that you can eat of it. Those of you that are weary, stand strong, for the wind of God is about to blow. For those of you that have thought nothing has changed, get ready. In a moment of time, he'll give birth to a nation. For those of you that have believed and have not seen anything, your miracle is one step away, one second away, one tear away, where it says, what would you have me do? Don't let your faith fail. Stand true. For God's about to visit. God's about to visit. He's about to visit, change, and radically place us in a place of divine destiny. No other moment has ever been like it. No other moment will be like it. It is the moment created by God for you and I. And we're going to go there. And we're going to see God in His glory and His splendor. Hallelujah.